Electric Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated entirely to sports and only sports. Today, 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 we talk NASCAR. Now here are your hosts, Ty, Amos, and Chris. Alright, what's going on ladies and gentlemen? Good to have you guys tuned in today. Uh, we're talking NASCAR on today's show. Back with um, Recap. What was that, Chris? I'm just watching the highlights from the race Oh, okay. And Amarillo's wreck. <laughs> Alright. Uh, anyways, we're we're back with some highlights, or excuse me, a recap of the uh, dirt race in Bristol. Uh I guess we got some opinions on it, and uh, we also got some other stuff to talk about a little later on in the show, guys. Uh, but just right off the top, guys, 26 for 26 is still alive. How hyped are we? Yeah? Yeah? It's not, not going to happen. Not going to happen. I think they were saying first time since 2013 that we've had uh, seven different winners and seven different races. So, yeah, it's looking not pretty good. Not going to happen. And how many race winners finished the season in 2013? Yeah, not uh, 26 not, of not 26. 26. Hey, but we are on the right track, everyone. Uh, the tagline, greatest season ever. It's living up to it a little bit. Uh, all right, so on today's show, guys, we're going to obviously talk about Bristol Dirt. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Easter break. Uh, we're going to talk some, you know, who's some favorites going into that and who do you guys like uh, now that we're seven races in. I think we're kind of getting a good feel for some of the favorites maybe, guys. Um, and then we'll also talk about the possibility of a – Chicago uh, street race being added to the schedule in the next couple of years or maybe even next year. So I haven't talked a lot to Amos about that. So I'd love to hear what he's got to say. Um, yeah, but let's, let's talk about the Bristol dirt race guys. Um, so how would you, uh, uh, Amos, let's start with you. How would you describe your feelings entering the Bristol dirt race? Like what was your, uh, views before the race? Well, <clears throat> I just, still don't figure understand why nascar wanted to go dirt bristol in my opinion is just one of the better tracks when it's run on asphalt uh kind of a fan favorite so i don't understand it still don't understand it not understanding why they're going to have dirt next year um i wasn't able to watch the race because it ended up being moved to monday so i still don't have a feel for how the race turned out but uh yeah, I'm, I don't know that my opinion has really changed that much on it. All right, so uh, that's what I was going to ask you, so that's cool. Um, I guess you'll have to watch a little more of the highlights as we talk here and get a feel for it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Chris, how would you say you felt going into the Bristol Dirt Race? What were your feelings on it? I, I think you were more positive, right? I had mixed feelings. I I think dirt racing is really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I think NASCAR should have probably been doing it over the last 40 years, you know, at least one or two races a year. I'm not a real big fan of the idea of putting dirt on Bristol. I think yeah, they okay. could have, I think they could have gone to some existing really good dirt tracks that are around the country and, and done just as well. The argument for safety was null and void because they put so much dirt on Bristol that they ended up taking out yeah. the safer barriers Yeah, <laughs> in order to, in order to, build the dirt up so that's why i think the whole argument about um you know needing to put it you know have the safety of the track yeah. was, was null and void because there was no safety barriers i get it the size of the 
tracks, you know, spectatorship probably had some effect on it. Yeah. But in this year, what difference did it make? You know, I think there were, I, yeah. I don't know how many people were there, but probably fewer than 20,000, I would think. So how did your opinion change, or if it, did it change at all uh, after you watched the race, saw some of the practices, stuff like that? Uh, how did you feel after all that? I had really positive feelings after watching the practices on Friday. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, this is this is going to be good. This is going to be a really good race. Yeah, yeah. And then Rain Mageddon stood in on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's an okay word for it, sure. And, <laughs> I mean, not only did it basically wash out the track, because I, I sat down. I was super excited to sit down and watch the trucks race. Yeah, I was too. And they went into the first heat, didn't even get one lap, and, I mean, the windshields were yeah. so covered with mud. Yeah, how about those pictures, huh? That yeah, was, that was crazy. <laughs> I, and I thought, well, this just turned into a real, you know, dumpster fire. It, it was a little bit there for uh, Sunday. Obviously, we didn't get to see the races. Well, on they didn't Sunday. even put cars on the track on Sunday. Right. I mean, they didn't even attempt. Pretty bad it. weather. Um, I guess it did get better on Monday, and it, it got good enough uh, to put the cars on the track and everything. Um, but yeah, Chris, a, po- a positive outlook then after what we saw. You would I. Say? I I am very positive about the dirt racing. I'd like to see it again, you know, with better situation. Yeah. Um, but I'm still skeptical of having to have it at Bristol. All right. So maybe we could get into a little bit of like actually having like a dirt track for yeah. the race, uh, like they do with Eldora, right? Like that's an actual dirt track. Yeah. Right? Why, why not do it at Eldora or do it at uh, uh, North Wilkesboro yeah, somewhere? Well. well Maybe yeah. not there, but uh-huh. there's some dirt tracks around that could could accommodate twenty five to thirty thousand people very comfortably. Obviously, safety's not a big issue, right? Uh, I mean, it is, but it isn't. And I I just think it could be done at a dirt track, a dedicated dirt track, more effectively. Yeah, I think uh, I think that'd be a little better in my opinion as well. I mean, going into this, I think I was kind of negative on the whole idea. I didn't. I wasn't really thinking it'd be that great, but after watching some stuff, I think it was. I come out with more positive view. I thought it was pretty entertaining for the most part. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm just waiting for the next one. You know, no. like I, I just can't. You know, um, I'm fine with them doing it next year. But in some ways, I do agree with Amos. Is like you're kind of taking away a track that a lot of people enjoy and is very traditional for you know this event and. Sure, I mean, it's cool and it's different and everything, but uh, I think this is where Chris's opinion of, well, maybe having a dedicated track, you know, totally separate from Bristol would actually be the smart way to go because then we don't have to lose a race like Bristol. I mean, and maybe you still would, you know, maybe you'd only race at Bristol once or you'd only race at another track once to fit this race in, but uh, I don't know. It's just weird, I thought, that you had Bristol, but it was on dirt, and it definitely wasn't the same. That's for sure. Um, Amos, did you uh, <laughs> expect that uh, Joey Logano would end up winning the race? <laughs> no, I didn't. I guess. No. <laughs> but, I mean, I didn't. I guess it's hard to say what to expect because I haven't seen any of these guys race, and some of them have raced on dirt. Some of them haven't. So, But I guess I kind of, once I started hearing and reading a little bit through the week about the fact that it was more, it wasn't as say loose in this traditional where they were all hung out and spinning and getting crazy and it was more there was a little more grip than what they anticipated in a 
during the practice leading up to it, it was a better racing surface. I guess it didn't surprise me that the top 10 was filled with the NASCAR regulars. I mean, they're all regulars, but the guys who raced just as well on asphalt as on. Right. There were, there were some surprises, um, in, in the top 10, I guess you could say too. Um, Martin Truex Jr. leads 126 laps, finishes back at uh, 19th. And then Joey Logano leads 61, and Daniel Suarez led 58, and he actually looked really good there for a uh, majority of stage one, uh, two, stage two, and going into the last stage. Uh, Chris, what were what were your thoughts on Logano getting the win? Obviously, uh, the restart was very chaotic, and um, it, it played into his advantage to have the single file restart, I guess. Um, but what, what were your thoughts on Logano getting the win here in, on dirt? Well, from what I know of Logano's history prior to coming into NASCAR, they they don't run a, a lot of dirt up in the Northeast. I to, don't think that he had a lot of dirt experience, right? Com- compared to other parts of the, of the country. From, from what I know, at least. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was surprised that he did win the race. Uh-huh. However... These guys are supposed to be the best drivers in the world. They yeah. have fantastic car control uh-huh. on all surfaces. And so, really, I guess I'm not shocked that one of the upper echelon of the NASCAR drivers mm-hmm. won the race. Um, it sure put to bed the theory about how the dirt ringers were going to come in and dominate, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd agree with that. There, There were some... Anom- like Stenhouse finished second. Suarez was racing really well all day. Uh, there were some anomalies uh, running up front, but for the most part, it was mostly the same guys. Yeah. So, uh, Amos, does, does this change your opinion at all that this race would be so, um, what's the word, random? Like it'd be much more random than it ended up being because we did see so many of the regulars up front and we did see a guy that wins races consistently every year uh, win this race is, is your opinion on that changed uh, i don't know i mean i not really i mean i still like <laughs> i just like the asphalt at bristol so okay um i guess it makes sense that a nascar regular is gonna or uh upper guy's gonna end up winning the race because he's just like chris keeps saying they're the best of the best so there should be no reason why they should finish not be able to come to a track, finish well, race well, figure yeah. out their cars. So um, I I ne- guess I never really put a lot of thought into what Chris had said about having a more traditional racetrack be the dirt track. That might be pretty interesting to do that. Yeah. And, and I don't, maybe they uh, – I'm straying off a little bit, but maybe they build a more car – a car more designed for dirt at yeah. that track too. Maybe. But uh, – I don't think that'll throw a monkey wrench into anybody's plan because they can obviously drive the heavier NASCAR on dirt with the tread tires. So mm-hmm. that might be something they could work on next year too. Well, I'm that brings sure. up that brings up another interesting, um, I guess, question. Uh, sure, we'll go with question. Brings up another interesting question. Uh, Chris, were you surprised how well that the cars actually seem to look on the track? Like for being NASCARs that are you know more designed to go go left on big ovals they actually did fairly well on the dirt uh obviously the tire wear was was pretty huge and it was a big talking point for a lot of the practice and the race but uh for the most part the cars actually did really well on the surface yeah 
I, I knew they were going to make substantial changes to the car from its normal configuration to run on a, a, a pavement track. Right. But on Saturday when they were doing the pre-race for the trucks, I think it was. Anyway, Steve Letart had a deal. And he went through all of the adjustments and changes they made to the cars. And it it was really quite extensive how many changes they made on these cars. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty stunning to me. Mm-hmm. The spoilers were different. They Most of the guys eliminated the front uh, splitter, air dam. Uh, suspension settings were much higher than what they normally run on pavement. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were just a ton of changes that they made to these cars, you know, to make them more adept, adaptable to the dirt race. And yeah. and it was really quite an interesting, uh, I don't know, 15, 20-minute thing that he did. And it was, it was very enlightening. So so what did you think about the racing itself, Chris, like the, the dynamics of the race? I mean, uh, it was a different surface, obviously. But, I mean, the leader would get out in front and make passes, and there was passing and moving in the field. And there, there was a lot of bumping know on each other uh if you look at the cars after (laughs) lots of dents on on all parts of the car but uh what do you think about the actual like racing aspect of of the dirt well i'll say this for these guys they put them up on the dashboard and they they went after it yeah i thought there'd be a lot of tentative driving and that sort of thing and i didn't see it i anybody i agree with that i thought there would be a lot more uh conservative driving but they really didn't care i mean they were just out there bumping and banging yeah and uh, I mean, it was fun to watch in, in a lot of ways. Um, do we think that going back next year, it'll be more successful? Uh, and how permanent do you think this, guy, this, this change potentially can be, uh, Amos? Let's start with you on this one. Well, I think they probably got to go back based on the fact that it, the race was rained out on Sunday just so they can maybe get a gauge of uh, like what a, like a fan normal? attendance. Okay. Yeah, because I'm sure it was hard. I mean – we seen all seen footage of the flooding that was going on in Tennessee. I'm sure attending a NASCAR race was the last thing a lot of people were thinking about at that yeah, point. Sure. So <laughs> um, maybe if they get a day when there's not quite as crazy a weather and they can, and then maybe it's post COVID. So we get, can fill the stands up. I think they have to go back and race just to see where the fans are truly engaged in it. And then, then after that, they can kind of make a more educated decision on whether Bristol to stay there with dirt or, like Chris says, move to a more traditional track that's always dirt or maybe a totally different track in general. But Do you think a dirt race moving forward will be something we consistently see year in and year out, whether it's at Bristol or whether it's on a uh, different track, like a, a dirt track, you know, totally dedicated dirt track? Probably, but like I said, I think you're still going to have to see. I think they need to gauge the fans' experience or expectation or sure. what they wanted from it. I think. I mean, I, I actually I saw kinda, quite a bit of positivity surrounding it, right. honestly. Well, and there was a little, I was reading a little bit of a article on, I think, Jay Ski's website where he was saying that the president of NASCAR was they're trying the reason they mixed up the schedule so much this year is cuz for years he claims NASCAR fans have been wanting something different than just the straight up traditional mm. week in week out every yeah, weekend's okay. the same as 
So they're trying to accommodate and kind of keep up with the ever-changing sports world and the attention span that most people have these days for sports in general. Well, so. if you do actually look at numbers, though, the the sport is actually growing amongst the younger generation. And so I think that they're trying to figure out new things and do some different things uh, to see if it gets you know more interest and peaks the interest of the younger generation that they have to stay around. And maybe it will. I mean... You know, I, I do fall into this category, and um, I, I mean, once again, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm jumping at the next race on dirt because it was that much fun. Uh, I think I said this to Chris earlier today, but I'm more interested in the actual road course races on the schedule this season than the dirt races. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you do look at the numbers, the sport is gaining popularity amongst younger generations. So if it's a tactic that they can use to you know, gain popularity and keep fans around, then some of you traditional people like Amos, I guess you could say might have to uh, kind of deal with it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, I mean, if NASCAR is happy with it and the majority of fans are happy with it and it's working for NASCAR, then I mean, I'm sure I can take a nap one Sunday of summer. It'll be all right. <laughs> well, and the drivers too, right? Um, we actually saw a lot of positivity from the drivers, Chris, about racing on dirt. Uh, a yeah. lot of them were happy about it. <laughs> They're, well, Martin Truex won the truck race earlier in the day, and yeah. and he has not raced on dirt literally his entire career, other than maybe the backyard. <laughs> so he was very high on it, yeah. and and led a lot of laps in the in the Cup race. I, I got to tell you though, this this appealing to the younger crowd, I I'm on board with that, but I'm going to draw the line at a Dukes of Hazard jump on the back stretch of Talladega. <laughs> we'll they, see if they do that. I'm out. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we're gonna get that far, honestly. <laughs> I know, but you know, I mean, uh, that's how crazy it's gotten sometimes when I've listened to the radio. It's, but it's it's like we were actually listening to uh, NASCAR Sirius XM channel the other day, and some dude said that they should put beach sand on the back straightaway in in Daytona, and you were like, <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's a terrible <laughs> no. idea. Like, I, you know, I'm kind of I mean, I'm kind of open for some new ideas and fathom cool things, this but though. That's a terrible you know? idea. You come off of turn two at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. And you got slicks on, and all of a sudden you hit sand. Terrible. <laughs> How many ways can that go wrong? Yeah, yeah. You know? Let's keep it all one surface, you know? <laughs> Generally speaking, one yeah. surface. And, and to those people <laughs> that were talking about it on Friday, you were with me on Friday, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, when they were talking about it, and that guy was saying, well, it's just dirty cement or just dirty asphalt. Oh, yeah. That, to me, proved that NASCAR has got to do a lot more education of their fans mm. as to what happens on dirt tracks. Right. Because what it was, and it was obvious to really everybody, that it was laying down rubber on the dirt. So they had a good surface to race on in the sense that it was the tires were hooking up, they were wearing the rubber down into the surface. Mm. So they had a good racing surface. But I will say this. They're going to do this Bristol thing again. They got to figure out the drainage issues way more than what mm. they had. Well, it was uh, kind of freak weather as well, so I think uh, that played a little bit into it. But yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people might not actually be as familiar with uh, what the dirt does with tires and stuff because maybe a majority of fans, or maybe hardly any of the fans that are NASCAR fans, watch dirt races. You know? Yeah. Because uh, when I first saw it, I that's what I thought too. I was like, they're wearing down to the track already, but. Um, then, you know, once we were listening to the radio and I talked to you about it, it made more sense. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, 
the dirt race was fine. I think we can all agree, right? Um, and we're good with them doing it next year. Yeah. Yeah. For the well, most part, I mean, we're open to sure. it. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, honestly, though, with you know, those side note on the weather. If it had been raining like that and there was no dirt at Bristol, they still would have canceled the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's true. It's I mean, true. there's uh-huh. no, you know, the weather was what it was, and true that much weather's going to <laughs> cancel any <laughs> yeah. NASCAR race on any surface. Sure. Well, I was going to say they probably would race on a road course, but then I <clears throat> thought about that a minute, and the way that rained, yeah, I'm not 100% sure they would have raced a yeah. road course. I guess it would depend on how bad it was, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay, so we're pretty open to it. Um, seven, seven and seven stays alive. I'm glad about that. Uh, all right, guys. Um, so like I said, we're going to have a shorter show, I guess, because we do have the break coming up. Uh, but is there any final thoughts you guys want to wrap up on on Bristol Dirt? Uh, we're going to talk about some things on the back half. Uh, any thoughts where anyone finished? I mean, Stenhouse with a second-place finish I thought was very intriguing. Is he a dirt racer? I think he had some yes. experience, yeah. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he raced good to get up into second. Uh, yeah. Hamlin did really well to hold third after a, a really weird restart for him. So, I mean, honestly, it was uh, it was pretty interesting the finishing order. So, uh, well, yeah. Stenhouse has raced right. pretty good most of the year. Yes, I mean, yes. I think it's a matter of time before he hits the victory circle. We're going eight for eight. All right. Uh, Chris, anything to say about Bristol Dirt before we leave it? Coming back next year, though. So. Well, I think, uh, okay, so I think this might be an appropriate time to talk about uh, Stuart Haas Racing and their run uh-huh. of bad luck. I mean, Kevin Harvick. Okay. Kevin Harvick was doing okay in the race. Right. Uh, but, man, the other three drivers were just. Oh, in- did, you see, uh, did you see him help take out his teammate, Briscoe? That was pretty. Uh, I didn't see that. Was that was one of the hardest hits. Briscoe got up on the wall. That was pretty bad. Uh, anyways. Anyway, <laughs> Stuart, uh, Stuart Haas's troubles, problems, continued to plague them at Bristol. And, yeah. Boy, I don't know what's wrong with that program, but somebody needs to get that thing on track. Well, uh, they've got to, right? I mean, these next three races, yeah. uh, tr- he, Harvick can win one of these next three. Well, I'm going to throw it out there like I did with Ryan Blaney. Uh-huh. I think Stuart Haas, as an organization, Kevin Harvick specifically, but all of the drivers, they've got to have a good three-race stretch coming up here. What do you or, think, what do you or think they're, Or they're going to be in trouble on the rest of the season. You hitting the panic button, Amos? I mean, seven races in, every one of the quote-unquote super teams has won a race, and... Uh, a different Ford with front row has won a race that's not Stuart Haas. Stuart Haas hasn't had a winner, and their best driver, probably, Kevin Harvick, really hasn't even, I mean, what, his best finish was fourth maybe all season? So, Well, but he's still in the top 16, right, in points. Yeah. He's not falling out. Um, well, the rate we're going, though, I mean, we got to start thinking about the potential that you really need to win to actually get in this year. Like, yeah, it's going to be a reality. Yeah. That's, um, so am I hitting the panic button on maybe Stuart Hawes in general? Yes. Kevin Harvick. No. Uh, the guy's been around for 20 years. Yeah. I'm sure if we look at his career stats up to this point, he's probably, hit some rough stretches. He's had some poor starts to seasons. I mean, it was kind of inevitable. You win nine races last year, and 
dominate the series, I'd, it's kind of hard to repeat that that many wins. So I think we're kind of short memorying his career and just looking at last year. So yeah, um, I I'm not sure how well he races at Martinsville. So I wouldn't look for a victory there. I think he does pretty well at Richmond. So Talladega, you know, roll the dice. I don't I don't know what's going to happen there. And he normally is not a super speedway racer, very like a very good one. So I think if he doesn't have at least a top 10 at Richmond, then you could probably start getting a little worried about him. But I think is in a whole, yeah, Stuart Haas has got to take this break, regroup, and uh, evaluate where they stand moving forward. Well, just some context here. Kevin Harvick's sitting eighth in the standings. His closest teammate is Cole Custer, who I who I did, wouldn't necessarily say is the second driver in that, you know, I mean, th- we're not putting drivers in tiers, but, you know, there are tiers with the drivers. He's in 23rd, and he's the closest to Harvick. And we look back, Briscoe's in 27th, Amarillo's in 28th. So, I mean, they're hovering around 25, and he's up there at 8th. Uh, this is just not a collectively good start from no. anyone. But, but to go off of what you're talking about on Kevin Harvick, yeah, in the top eight, there are six winners, the guys that have had wins, and almost all of the drivers that are in the top ten, with the exception of Christopher Bell, which he has a win, but when you look at the top ten, he and, and Christopher Bell are the only two that don't have stage wins to this point, Kevin Harvick and Christopher Bell. So his performance is, is very lackluster when you start looking at you know, when you start digging into it deeper. Well, but, I mean, he's still consistent enough to race uh, and be in the top 10 standings, right? Well, yeah, but... And he's only one point behind seventh, and he's three points behind sixth. Like, I know, I see what you're saying, Chris, and, and I and I understand. But at the same time, like, he still is consistent enough to be... I mean, let's face it, Denny Hamlin hasn't won a freaking race all year, and he's still leading the points by 58 points. But that's because he's finishing third in every single race. So I, I'm just getting concerned with Harvick like not being as consistent as Hamlin, and then we get to the end of the season and we have 15 winners, let's say, hypothetically, and there's only one spot. And Harvick, if, if let's say he doesn't get a win, I mean, is he going to be good enough to be that 16th car in? I mean, I don't think that'll I, happen because I'm sure he'll win. But Yeah, I, do, I don't think that'll happen either. I don't think... I'm going to go way out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that there's no way you're going to point yourself into the top 16 this year. You're going to have to have a win to get into that top 16 So you this think year. we'll have 16 winners? No. I'm not saying we're going to have 16 winners. But but I can see I can see a situation where if you don't have a more consistent performance than what Harvick's having, you're not going to be able to get into that top 16 you know, on points. All right, well, Martinsville, Richmond, Talladega, Kansas, Darlington's the next five. He can win two of those, right? Kansas and Richmond, totally in his wheelhouse? I think so. I mean, anything could happen at Talladega, but he's just not a very – he's just – he don't like super speedway racing, so I don't think he approaches them races the same as he does everything else. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I'll put it to you this way. Like I said, I'm panic button if I'm Stuart Haas. You've got four pretty good drivers. Eric Amarola has, I know he's had some bad luck, 
but he's <laughs> kind of at a point yeah. where, you know, how long can you keep dragging that chain down the road? I mean, something's got to happen a, in that stable. Wasn't that the same conversation we were having with Ryan Blaney, and now he picked it up? So, Well, sure, but, yeah. But the reason that we were bagging on Ryan Blaney is because Kozlowski and Logano were running up front and doing well. It's true. Yeah. I mean, and we, you could kind of say the same thing for Stuart Haas because Kevin Harvick, but, you know, if Kevin Harvick doesn't have a win going into, like, the Labor Day, or not Labor Day, Memorial Day, somewhere around there, then, yeah, let's we can start talking panic. Well, But Stuart Haas in general, they've got to do something different because they're just – they got to figure out whether it's aero, their car set up, any race adjustments, something. So, Amos, over the next five races, like we just listed out, what what do you want to see from Stuart Haas? Maybe not Kevin Harvick in specific. You know, if he wins a race, good. But what do you, what do you want to see more from Stuart Haas? More consistency? Yeah, better finishing. For sure. like, I think. What do they need to do in the next five races? I mean, Chase Briscoe. I'm not really going to be too hard on that kid because he's a rookie, learning curve. There's, I don't care what anybody says. I haven't driven either car, but there's a huge step from Xfinity to NASCAR. The pressure yeah. on track, off track, appearances, well, plus all that. He's so in, he's in a pretty big car, right? Like he's in the fourteen, right? That has, has some history behind it. So. Sure, and so you can't. I'm I'm not going to put a lot of pressure on that kid. The two that I'm looking at mostly, Eric Amarola and Kevin Harvick. So I think over the next few races, I mean, by all rights, Amarola should run well at Talladega. He was doing well in Daytona, right? He was. He's a decent super speedway well, racer. And we do forget that he did get the second clash win, right? Right. Or or the first. Anyways, he got one of the clash wins. He, he, won, won, he won the clash. I can't remember if it was the first one or second one. He right. was the first one. Him and he Dylan. Won, him and he Dylan. won one but, of them. But it is gone sure. steadily downhill. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, okay, Martinsville, I don't expect a lot. I don't feel like that's in their wheelhouse. Richmond, Kevin Harvick should race well. I think Eric Amarillo should do all right. Talladega, Eric Amarillo, he should do well. Kansas Speedway, I think Colt, I think all of them should do well, maybe not Briscoe. And Darlington? Kevin Harvick should win. Should do well at that. I mean, okay. you've got three of the next five races where Kevin Harvick can win. Stuart Haas should do well, in my opinion, at four of the next five. For sure, three of the next five. So I think we, like I said, if you get into the Coca-Cola 600, Labor Day weekend, Kevin Harvick doesn't have a win, yeah, we can start pushing the panic button. But I think Stuart Haas in general needs to hit the panic button, use this off week, to recharge, figure out what's going on, and get back in the game. So, Chris, do you think you think Amarola has enough time to turn some things around? Like, do you think he can get stuff turned around? Because, I mean, he's the worst car right now at Stuart Haas, and that's not really a good thing. And I know that he's been with the team, and he has the sponsorship, like, well locked in, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, but eventually, at the end of the day, sometimes the sponsorship and the money can only do so much if you aren't getting any results, right? So Right. Well... So if you look at, to expand it a little farther, what you're saying about the next five, well, I'm going to go the next eight. If he hasn't made some substantial improvements in the next eight, so by the time you get to the Coca-Cola 600, yeah. his season is in jeopardy, in my opinion. I agree. I, I, I mean, would, are we talking yeah. jeopardy of, like, not having a ride next year, like, that much? I don't know, because he's got that Smith Foods sponsorship money. Yeah, sure. 
And Stuart Haas rode the uh, Danica Patrick horse for a long time because she had the go daddy money. Right. So I I don't think he's going to be looking for a ride, but I think there's going to be some serious come to Jesus meetings in the back room. All right. Well, we'll have to we'll have to keep seeing. I mean, I I do feel like at least in the next five races. Kevin Harvick should win a race. I mean, I mean, I'm not as concerned for Kevin Harvick. I think I'm with Amos. I'm not as concerned for Kevin Harvick as I am for Stuart Haas in general because their other three cars are just not performing. Like, the Fords with front row and with uh, Roush are outperforming them in a lot of ways. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of weird because that's just not what we've seen from them. So, you know, seven races in, I guess uh, – we're getting to the th- a third through the season, through the regular season, right? Uh, we're we're coming up on that point, so maybe we were panicking a little too much or you know, overanalyzing things. But at the same time, I mean, the races go by really quick. It just seems like last week we were entering Daytona, and now we're already to the Easter break. So yeah, right? Stuart Haas has got to do something. Yeah, yeah, they they got to get it together. Just a couple quick stats for Eric Amarola. So going back to. We'll go back to 2017. Average start, 20. Average finish, 18. Yeah. 2018. Average start, 15. Average finish, 12. 2019. Average start, 10. Average finish, 15. 2020. Average start, 9th. Average finish, 13th. Thus far in 2021, average start, 20. Average finish, 26th. So he was, you know, over the last four or five years, he was – Trending very well, moving up. Uh, last year, he finished with 18 top 10s, mm. six top fives. Very well could have won a race or two, should have won a race or two in that point. And now he's... Well, but don't you remember no the... top 10s, barely hanging on to the lead lap. Remember the top 10 streak he went on last year? Yeah. I mean, it's just so weird that he has dropped off as much as he has uh, between the seasons. So Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's probably had a little bit of bad luck, but... yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing with Bristol, that's a throwaway in a sense. Sure, but I think the organization, Stuart Haas's organization, has got. I think they've got an engineering problem. That's my personal opinion. Hmm. When you okay. look at the overall performance of their Fords compared to everybody else's Fords, they're two steps behind everybody else that's in a Ford, and. I mean, they're not even in the same you know universe as, as the Chevys and the Toyotas when it comes to overall performance well, I think, this year. I think the Chevys are kind of by themselves at the moment, uh, especially the Hendrick cars. But yeah, okay. I mean, I'm, I think Stuart Haas will ride right the ship, but they're running out of time to get it heading in the right way. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end this conversation then. Good positivity for the most part, from Amos there. Uh, Okay, so we're about 40 minutes in, guys, so let's take a break. Uh, We're going to come back, and on the back half, we're not going to have as much to talk about because we're not going to preview Martinsville till next week's show. Um, So we will be back next week with a preview of Martinsville, um, but just some general stuff to ask you guys on the other side, kind of like, you know, favorites seven races in and and stuff like that. And I want to talk about the Chicago street race that is supposedly trying to be made so uh all right we'll come back Break. Uh. all right welcome back ladies and gentlemen short break today guys i mean we don't didn't have a lot to discuss off air so 
I mean, Amos really hasn't said much all show. I know. I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, if you guys want to follow us, stay in touch, uh, what we're doing and everything, go ahead and follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter is where you can find us. Try to get on Facebook. It didn't work, and we don't want to talk about it. So not on Facebook if you're looking for us there. Sorry. And uh, send us emails, stuff you want us to talk about. You know, I haven't checked the email in a week, so... Hopefully nothing's on there that I've missed. Uh, anyways, so uh, the email is electricsportstalk at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch, send us in your listener questions, uh, anything you want us to talk about that we're not talking about. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, once again, electricsportstalk at gmail.com. All right, guys. Uh, so we are seven races in. We have seven different winners to start the season, and I am pushing for the 26 and 26. So can't wait. It's going to be good. Um I'll even go 36 for 36. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Um, that, yeah, that can't happen. Look, this is how this. I'm going to keep it alive. The narrative is alive. So, <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, seven for seven is pretty impressive, guys. Um, what, without talking about the 26 for 26, um, how impressed have you been that we've actually had seven different winners this season, Chris? I, I think it helps NASCAR's marketing yeah. tremendously. Because that's been one of the ongoing complaints year to year that not enough guys are competitive, not enough guys are winning. You're always seeing the top guys running at the top. Sure. Which you're still running the top guys at the top, but you're getting seven different winners to this point. I, I don't think it hurts NASCAR in any way, shape, or form in my you know, in my estimation. Yeah. And and really, when you look at it, the number one guy in NASCAR standings right now doesn't have a win. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. you know, I guess for whatever that's worth, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think the trends are going to continue, but I guess it'd be okay. I, you know, I guess I'd be okay if we had another. You know, we got eight races coming up. I could go with eight more winners. Be interesting. Uh, all right, uh, Amos. Anything different there from what Chris said on on the fact we've had seven different winners? I mean, uh, pretty sure first time since two thousand thirteen. If if I'm wrong, I'm probably a couple years off. But, yeah, I think it's 2013. Uh, first time we started off with seven different winners to begin the season. I mean, it's it's actually kind of entertaining to watch because we always talk about, oh, I wish someone new would win. Uh, I feel like, oh, what was it, like 2018 or something, it was just so hard to watch because there was a bunch of the same guys winning. Uh, maybe 17. But, yeah, it, it's been quite the year of a whole bunch of different guys winning. <laughs> right. So let me preface this. I'm okay. I would really be okay if there were 26 different race winners through the 26 different first races. Yeah. Okay. But historically speaking, it's not going to happen. There's going to yeah, be no, somebody no, know, that's going to sneak in. Hey, I mean, Joey Logano's been knocking on the door. Sure. He very well. He's got Martinsville coming up. He runs well at Richmond. Yeah. He's a decent super speedway racer. I mean, Joey Logano could go off and win the next three. So... um Maybe I'm not saying that I don't like the fact that there's different winners. <laughs> yeah, that there are first-time winners. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I just you're just not going to see it happen, and uh -huh. that's fine. You know, whatever. But I think it's really cool. There have been seven different winners. Um, I think it's cool. There's been a few first-time winners. So, and we may see it happen. There could be somebody sneak in there and pick up a win on one of these road courses. You know, like I said, Talladega is always a wild card. So. You could have a first-time winner there. It's happened in the past. But I think just in general, in any sport, it's fun to see different people 
even if it's just one weekend, and then they drop off the face of the planet and you don't ever see or hear from them again, it's still pretty cool. I mean, it takes a lot to win a race, period, oh, yeah. to win two, even that much more. So if you only win one race in your entire NASCAR career, you're in the record books. So, yeah. you know, that's cool. And yeah. I, I think it's good for the sport. All right, guys. Uh, so let's talk about our picks, of course. Uh, we got to <laughs> come back to these. <laughs> um, okay, so just to remind you. We, we really picked, don't need to do these, honest. We picked winners, uh, and then we picked over under our, our uh, random bet that we have to get precise to get points on. The winners just have to be the closest uh, to first place gets the point. Uh, so the uh, random bet was over under of 20 cars running at the end of the race. There were 30 cars running, so if you took under 20, you lose. Amos, you took under 20. Me and Chris had over, so me and Chris getting the points there. Sorry, Amos. It wasn't, That's all right. It wasn't quite as chaotic as I think you were thinking, huh? Yeah, I guess I if I'd read a few articles knowing that the track was basically turning to asphalt as they practiced, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been so, you know, keen on them wrecking dirty it. pavement, according to one guy yeah, on Sirius exactly. NASCAR so, Radio. Dirty pavement. <laughs> I don't know. That's cool. I mean, could you imagine if there were that many cars being crashed out? A 250-lap race at Bristol would take forever. Yes, oh, yes, yeah. it would. Well, it took a long time as it was. <laughs> All I right. mean, let's think about it. They, they took <laughs> clear into Monday. Yeah, clear into Monday to get that race done. Okay, so our race winner picks were Chris, uh, Christopher Bell. Don't even he, want to talk about he it. He finishes 34th. Uh, Amos, Kyle Larson, he finishes 29th. Well, and, you beat me, Amos. I guess that's one thing. <laughs> and uh, I will be the winner once again this week with Chris Busher, who finished 14th. So wow. very not good pick for me for a 14th, but... Uh, Still coming with the points, guys, so I yeah, feel okay about it. Take it. Ironically, too, uh, you guys picked Bell and Larson, and they wrecked each other pretty much out <laughs> of the race. So, Wow. That was good. Uh, I saw that, and I was like, yes. I mean, oh, no, that's so bad. <laughs> I was like, like, sure, I'll bet you did. I was like, just keep it straight, Busher, and finish in the top 20. You'll be okay. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> there's our points, our updated scores, guys. Six for me, four for Chris, and two for Amos. On the Man. season. It's still young. It is still young. I guess I got to get in the 26th different race winner mode and a, uh, just start yeah. picking at random here. Amos is turning into Stuart Haas of the show here. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm going to go back to my picking Denny Hamlin and hey, maybe. hoping for the best because he's my been, other picks have sure been a disappointment this yes, year. Yes, a little bit. Uh, he's been the most consistent, so <laughs> that's good. Uh, Chris, do you want to give us a, a season standings update as well? Uh, let us know. Uh, what the, I don't know, I mean, go with the top 16 if you want to this week, huh? Oh. Okay, 16th, Alex Bowman. 15th is Kurt Busch. 14th is Ricky Stenhouse. 13th is Kyle Busch. 12th is Michael McDowell. Yeah. With a win. With a win. With a win. Let's see, that was 12th. 11th is Austin Dillon. Uh, Christopher Bell is in 10th with a win. Mm-hmm. Chase Elliott is in ninth with no wins. Kevin Harvick is in eighth with no wins. Ryan Blaney is in seventh with one win. And he has taken a huge walk up the point standings as yeah. a result of his last four races. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, William Byron is in sixth with a win. Uh, Brad Keselowski is in fifth with no win. Kyle Larson is in fourth with a win. And that is performance level that is just tickles me 
And it's, I mean, I'm just so happy for that kid. It's just, you just don't even have any idea, even though he does drive for the dark side. Um, what, the Chevys? Yeah, no, Rick Hendrick. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Martin, Tru- uh. Martin Truex is in third with a win. Joey Logano's in second with a win. And Denny Hamlin is in first with no wins. Don't ask me how. He's only ahead by one point, though. Six top five finishes is how he's in. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Racing racing very consistent. All right, guys. uh, So let's talk about the standings a little bit uh, since we have some time on today's show. We're obviously going to get to the Chicago street race idea uh, in a minute. But uh, we have seven winners, Michael McDowell, Christopher Bell, William Byron, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano uh, being the seven. So uh, I'm going to ask you maybe an obvious question here, but of the seven winners, who has surprised you the most that they've gotten a win uh, in the first seven races? Well, Michael McDowell, obviously, okay, would, yeah. would have to be the, <laughs> the surprise winner of all of them because, I mean, who saw that coming? Okay, okay. Uh, Amos, I guess we you would say the same over there, right? McDowell. Getting well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'd definitely say Michael McDowell. I mean, he's raced well. He's staying in the top 16. He, just by looking at points, would still be in the top 16 even without a win. So sure, yeah. that's cool. Um, but uh, my other pick would be Christopher Bell. I mean, I guess I didn't really pay a lot of attention to him last year so, or through his uh, – <laughs> rise in the Xfinity series. Obviously he's a good driver, but I'm surprised he has a win thus this early in the season. So that would be my two picks. All right. Who is the most surprising seven races in that doesn't have a win in your book, guys? Obviously there's a lot of options to choose from. Um I'll go first. I'm gonna say Denny Hamlin. I mean he's been so consistent, but he hasn't been able to break through on a win. Um so I think I'm pretty surprised. Uh but, you know, I, I guess Coming into you could you could answer this two different ways, right? Like you've seen the races, and then you take that context, or like if I told you seven races into the season before the season started, this guy, whoever you want to say, doesn't have a win, would that surprise you? So, uh, Chris, let's go with you. Who are you surprised has not won a race yet? Uh, Kevin Harvick. Okay. By far. And there's one other driver, but I think Amos will pick him. All right, Amos. Well, I honestly am surprised at Kyle Busch. Okay. Not is that who you thought he'd this go with? year? No, I thought he'd go with Chase Elliott. Into okay. next year. Uh-huh. Or last year. I mean the dude's tore it up for so long that to not that I want him to win, don't get me wrong. I'm not hoping he wins a bunch of races, but it just surprises me that he's had such a drop off. And yeah. Yeah. I think I weird. don't know if it's cuz the pandemic if that ha- has played into it, I'm sure it has, or if he's just kind of hit that point in his career where he's going to stagnate for a little bit and then go from there. But, yeah, Kyle Busch. I'm not really worried about Chase Elliott. He didn't. He did have a decent start last year, and it kind of seemed like it took him some time to get going, and he hits stretches of races where he doesn't do that well, and he could knock out a couple pretty soon. But Kyle Busch is definitely the one that I'm – I just don't know what's going on there. All right. So if, if you were betting, man, which – I know all of us are, except for Chris. Um, <laughs> who who's going to be the first multi race winner of the season? The the rate we're going, it's, I think it's kind of hard to say at this point. Um, but is it? Would you put money on someone that's won a race now in the first seven, or hasn't won a race to get the first 
consecutive or not consecutive uh, multi race wins in this season. I mean, you're gonna put your money on Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Truex, or Blaney. Like who? You, who do you think, Chris? So there's two Hendrick drivers, William Byron and Kyle Larson. Yeah, uh, I could see both of them getting a second win shortly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I could see Martin Truex Jr. getting a second win shortly. I could see Joey Logano getting a second win shortly. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that have got wins. The only the only outlier in that whole thing, in my mind, is Michael McDowell. And we got Talladega coming up in, what, four weeks? Yeah. So. Who knows who comes out of that one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, Amos, what do you think? First driver to get multiple wins on the season? So I'll break it up into two parts. If we just go the first seven race winners, yeah, I say Joe Ligano gets is the first of the seven so far that okay. would go yeah. back to back. But just looking at the schedule, and this is just me being a homer because I'm a Chase Elliott fan, <laughs> I see no reason why he couldn't win Martinsville, race well at Richmond, maybe maybe win at Richmond. And then miraculously pull something out at Talladega. So okay, but I mean, I really like if if I'm a betting man, if I'm going to lay money on it, the first two time winner is going to be Joey Logano. All right, what do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, that's an okay shout. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. All right, all right. Uh, I I think it's a uh, safe bet. I think yeah. I mean, for a man that doesn't bet, that's it's probably a safe bet, right? Yeah, Chris. Well, well, you know, you would make the bet. I would make that bet. Probably. Okay, okay. You would probably make that bet. Uh, all right, so we talked about some of the winners, guys. Uh, as we look at the standings right now, though, that's where we'll shift our Do we want to make that bet right here on the program? Well, I mean, well, I think we'd all bet for it, so okay. I don't know if that would work. Yeah, that's not much <laughs> well, of a bet. Well, if Joey wins, Chris can take that to dinner. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll go for it. I'll do that. All right. Okay. Next, one of the next three races, if Joey Logano wins, I take you guys to dinner. Very interesting. See, yeah, now I'm we're done talking. with that. Okay. On, do Joey. I get to pick the place we go? Uh, well, no. I don't know. Oh, I think okay. McDonald's is going to take us to McDonald's. Well, McDonald's. Darwiner schnitzel. <laughs> Darwiner schnitzel. Get a chili right, cheese right. dog. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I want to make this bet anymore. Um, <laughs> all right, so we talked about the race winners, guys. Uh, let's turn our attention to the standings. Chris obviously went over the 16, um, and you just heard that. So if you missed it, go back a little bit and you know recap. Um, but let, let's talk about this top 16, guys. If the playoffs started today, this would be your 16. Obviously, you know, like we said, we're a little less than a third of the way through the regular season. So we are going to... Uh, what's the word? Foreshadow or whatever you want to say a little bit here. Um, but who in the top 16 is surprising you guys? Um, and I, if you want to say McDowell again, that's fine. But uh, surprising you for good or bad so far? Uh, seven races in, top 16. What do you think, Amos? Well, Michael McDowell, obviously, is kind of a bit of a surprise that he's in the top 16. Obviously, it's a surprise he won at Daytona. But... Really, he's running well. I mean, like we said, even without that win, he'd still yeah. be in the top. Even if even if the last few races played out, Kislowski Logano finished one two or vice versa, he still would probably have a top five finish. He'd still be in the top sixteen for points. So most likely, um, I guess the one person for me that really stands out is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I don't know if he okay. did he make the ra- the chase last year. 
Does anybody remember? Um, I don't know. I guess I could look real quick. I mean, I know he started out last season pretty well, was running strong before the uh, pandemic shut him down. But, yeah, I mean, seven races in, he's put up 180 points, one top 10, one top five finish, running well. I feel like he's on the verge of some consistent top 10s. So I, I'm a little surprised by that, but I look for him to still finish the season hovering around that 13 to 16 place finish unless he gets a win. All right, so Stenhouse last season finished 24th with three top 15s. Uh, no, top t- top 10s, sorry. Okay. So, yeah, he's already got that in the bag, seven races in and running in the, the top 16. Yeah, so, so he's, he might be doing a little better this year. Sure. Uh, Chris, anyone different for you that's sticking out for good or bad reasons in this top 16 right now? I, I have been very impressed with Kurt Busch's overall performance. I'm a little disappointed that he's currently setting in 15th because I think he's higher than that. <laughs> he could be higher if he would keep it on the track. He, yeah, he's he's got to finish a race or two or 10. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I, I think Kurt Busch is uh, performing well, particularly in that Chip Ganassi car. I, uh-huh. It's just I, – I think Kyle Larson's performance in the Hendrick car kind of – proves out what we all sort of suspected about Chip Ganassi racing, but nobody really wanted to come out and say it. Yeah. They're a substandard team. You know, they're not they're not a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Okay. So I think Kurt Bush is actually outperforming what that team's capable of performing on a consistent basis. All right. Uh so who outside the top sixteen guys over the next couple weeks will make their way into the top 16 or is going to push closer up there and kind of be hovering around this playoff spot or, or can make it who's not in it right now. Um, I mean, we see some names here. Matt DiBettadetto, I think he made it in the chase last year. Uh, Tyler Reddick, they're like right next to each other, 24th, 25th. Ryan Newman's in 19th. Uh, you got guys like Chris Busher right at 17. Um, if I guess if I had to put some money on someone, I would say Tyler Reddick. I mean, I think he's going to get a race win eventually with with his skill set. I think he can get a race win. Um, but is there anyone outside the top 16 that you guys are liking to push their way up the standings a little more as we go? We'll start with you, Chris. I, I think Ryan Newman's got an outside chance of getting into the top 16. Uh, if he can – I mean, let's face it, the, the Roush cars have been performing – at a level probably higher than they have for the last four well, years. Look at Newman, Newman and Bush are seventeenth and nineteenth. Yeah. They're they're both above uh, the Woods Brothers car, let's say, and above most of the Stuart Haas cars. Uh, I mean, they're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, they are. And and that that's what bugs me so bad about what's going on with Stuart Haas racing because the Roush cars have obviously hit something. Yeah, they yeah. have. I mean, actually, uh, for the most part, I mean, I know we've kind of ragged on Ryan Newman a little bit throughout this this show this year, but he's actually been pretty consistent. You know, I mean, yeah. he, I mean, it's not like he's been up towards the front a bunch, but he's been pretty consistent right around the top fifteen, kind of around that top ten sometimes. But like, he's actually doing better than uh, than I think we're giving him credit for. Uh, Amos, anyone outside this top sixteen that you look to move up? I think Chris Buescher kind of is has an outside chance moving up. He's 
So this is kind of how I'm viewing. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. We've talked about Roush Fenway racing mostly on the mile and a half tracks. And I mean, obviously I have nothing to back this theory up. You know, maybe I'll give him a Jack Roush call this week and talk to him, see what he's thought. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. he'll take but, your call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll take the call. So if you just, just look at... Just ring him up and yeah, say, hey, this is, Amos. this is Amos. And when they say Amos who, say, you know who I am, give the phone to Jack. I mean, I'm, I would talk to anybody there. I don't, it doesn't <laughs> even have to be Jack Roush. My <laughs> okay. thought process is here, though, a majority, normally a majority minus the increase of road course races this year, most of your tracks are mile-and-a-half tracks. Yeah. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Roush just sat back and said, okay, there's X amount mile-and-a-halfers. This is our focus. We're going to build cars. We're going to put our time. We're going to put our resources, our wind tunnel, everything on mile-and-a-half. Let's, let's do well, garner as many points as we can, maybe a win, top five, top ten, finish well and see where that places us through the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they just step back and just it's that simple and said we need to pick one area to improve on and let's go from there. You can't, as I hear a lot lately, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. You got to start somewhere and just work on it. So why not? And I, I see no reason why Chris Busher, Ryan Newman couldn't jump in the top 16, right. maybe catch a win. Maybe they pulled the Cole Custer and – Sneak in, get a mile and a half win, and move on into the chase. Well, and if we do remember, uh, Chris Busher was leading laps and looking really good in Miami, right? So, right. yeah. I mean, uh, I think about these mile and a half tracks that we have been to so far, and it seems like that's where the best performances have been for Roush. So, a, a positive uh, for Roush, and I think a great point by well, Amos. The other thing about Roush, too, is, is, and I heard this earlier in the year, uh, they made uh, Jimmy Finnig the competition director and that guy's a racer. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not, he obviously knows his stuff, <laughs> but, but the focus of Roush racing in the past has been on engineering. And, and so this year they're taking a different direction and they basically, they put a racer, you know, at the head of competition. And I think you're seeing the results of it. Yeah. And like Amos said, you can't eat an elephant all in one bite. I mean, it's going to take some chipping away at this, but I think they're chipping away at it. All right. Let's talk about, well, let's let's just play a game. It's like buy or sell, but we'll just say uh, yes or no. So, and you can expand on it if you want. So, uh, we have seven winners, like we keep saying, uh, but let's talk about some guys that haven't got wins. I'll ask you, you think X will get a win you know, in the regular season, you say yes or no. Uh, good enough, yeah? Sure. Yeah. Easy, easy. Um, all right, well, let's start with a pretty easy one, Denny Hamlin. Yes. Yes. Yeah, everyone's in agreement yeah. here. This is radio, Amos. We can't yeah. see you shaking. <laughs> <laughs> I was split my time, sorry. <laughs> all right, uh, we've already talked about Kevin Harvick, so I don't think we need to ask that one. Uh, Chase Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gets yeah. a win? Yeah. Well, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, let's go with... It's got six more tries on road courses, though. I mean, <laughs> right. come on. Let's go with... Should have had one already. Let's go with Austin Dillon. Ooh, boy, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I'm going to say yes with provisions. With provisions. <laughs> yeah, it's he's going to have to hit the right circumstances. It's going to be Daytona or Talladega? Mm, well... I could see him winning at Kansas, possibly. Maybe Texas, too, right? Maybe Texas, He won Texas, yeah. 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 Um, all right, his teammate, um, Tyler Reddick. 
No. No, both of you know. Okay. No, he's That's surprising. Just, but he's just running so poorly right now that Wait. to say he's going to get a win, I just... He's wearing his cars out. Yeah, he just... I mean, he's just flat ruining the cars. He's wow. just... But he needs... So, Austin Dillon, he can say we're running for the win. Did, um, Reddick's just like, hey, let's top 20. You know, there's got to be... They got to start somewhere. They're, yeah, I don't know if they're going to get a win this year. All right, that's fine. Um, I think back to how well he did at Miami, and I know it was more towards the last half of that race, but if he can find that, whatever he had in Miami, and do it on a half mile, and I don't know how many tracks are like Miami that are left on the schedule, but he could get a win. Um, all right, uh, let's go with... A, Kind of one that's actually a real question mark when it probably shouldn't be. Uh, but w- is Kyle Busch going to get a win this year, guys? I mean, honestly. Oh, Lord, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris says he hopes. Um, I, sure, okay, he hopes. So is that a yes? Yeah, okay. it's a yes. Uh, Amos, I mean, look, he, he didn't get a win last year. That was in he the did. regular season. Okay, you're right. He got so, a win, but it right. was... We're talking regular season wins here. Is Kyle Busch going to win in the regular season? I mean... He could miss the chase. He could. With how people are winning races. I'm I'm really split on this because... <laughs> well, he got into the chase last year without a win. Right, but he was right on the edge and he got bounced. Well, so no. It was he, a second elimination. He made, yeah, he mm-hmm. made... Yeah. No, I don't think he gets a regular season But we also win. didn't have as many race winners last year. This is true. So, okay. Amos is going with no. Um, let's talk about a tough one. Another tough one. Uh, Mad to Benedetto. Can Matty D get a win this year? Because uh, the Pensy cars are looking good. It's only a matter of time before Kislowski gets a win at this rate. So I don't think I'm going to go with no. Okay. No, I don't. I don't think he gets a win. I I think he hovers 16 to 20, puts on a good show, tries to get a better ride for next year. But I just don't see him getting a win this year. Okay, Amarola. Is Amarillo going to turn his season around and get a win at some point this year? Chris? I know you want him to. Well, what I want <laughs> and what's going to happen, I'm going to go with no on that one, too. All right. Much as I hate to say it, I, yeah. Okay. That's a no. I say yes just mainly for the fact that he's got two chances at Daytona and Talladega. I mean, he runs well. He did put together a string of top 10 finishes last season going into the chase. So I don't think it's out of his realm to be able to get a win. But the way they're running now, his best chances are Talladega and or Daytona. All right, I'm with Amos on that one. I think maybe the last race of the regular season in Daytona, maybe he can pull it off. Uh, All right, last two guys. Um, I know we've done quite a few now, but uh, Bubba Wallace. I know we've talked on and on off about this one. Um, and I was actually really cheering for Daniel Suarez in that race because I was like, oh, man, Daniel Suarez is going to get a win. And I asked you guys this last week, and y'all said no. <laughs> and I was like, he could. Um, yeah, so Bubba Wallace. I mean, Talladega's coming up, and traditionally speaking, I know, I'm thinking he's about pretty all that. good at Talladega. I'm thinking about all that. I'm still going to go with no. Okay. I don't think he gets one this year. I think new team, single car. There's a lot against them right now. So, Garner experience at a second team next year, 
then we'll talk. He was actually doing pretty well in that uh, dirt race, too. I think Bubba Wallace has got the same problem this year that he's had historically, and he's just not listening to his crew chiefs. Maybe. I, I don't know about that, but maybe, yeah. Uh, okay, last one. Kurt Busch. Is our guy Kurt Busch in that great Monster Energy car going to get a win? Yes. Yes. Of course he is, right? Because me and you had him in the top four Absolutely. at the end of the season. So, yes. <laughs> uh, no, but this is a real question, Amos. I mean, you think Kurt can get a win this year? I feel like he's kind of in the same boat as his brother at this point. Him and Kyle are kind of in the similar position. Yeah, they're very similar. And I feel like Kurt has kind of been in this position for the last several years. He, You think he's pulled it together. He's going to restart his career, which, I mean, I'm not saying he hasn't. He's running well. Does he get a win? He's got some opportunities coming up, so I'll say yes. As of, like, if you ask me, you know, after the All-Star break, might be a different answer. But I think up to this point, I would say yes. He'll probably get a win in the regular season. Okay, uh, let's talk about a tough question before we end the show, guys. Uh, the last thing, well, the second to last thing we want to talk about is we're going to make a prediction, and I'm going to write this down, so this is going to be a hard prediction. Um, but you can go with anyone you want. Uh, I don't care who starts either. But we're going to predict if uh, for the Easter break, if you were going with one person to win it all at the end of the year, I know we're a long ways away, but Easter break prediction for the season champion this year, guys, who you take in seven races in uh, at this point in the season? So right now to this point, yeah. my pick would be Joey Lagona. Oh, really? Well, okay. Elaborate I mean, a little, would you? Okay. So they've run well up to this point. Yes, they had a few races where they missed the in-race adjustments, but they still finished lead lap, top 15. You have to be able to have – you have to finish top 15, for sure top 20, when you miss the setup or you're struggling. That – to me, signifies that they are still wanting to win and that they're going to do it, so that they're putting themselves in a position to win. But I just feel like that Penske, I kind of picked him at the first of the year to have a strong run, be overall as an organization running well this year. I I think I don't – Ryan Blaney just doesn't have the luck. Brad Kozlowski's all over the place. But I think Joey – Hits a stride through the summer. I think he kind of picks up a kind of a stretch of races where Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin were last year. I think he gets some multiple wins, kind of puts a good string together, good momentum going into the chase, and and uh, pulls through at the end. All right, I'm actually surprised that that's where I didn't think that's where he was going to go at all. Uh, Chris, do you got one or should I go? Why don't you go ahead? I I got a couple, but he kind of took my. Took one a little kinda, bit. Yeah, kinda, oh, you can pick him, too. I mean, it's okay. No, no go ahead. You, you go ahead. Do your thing. All right. So I was also thinking about Logano, but then I was like, eh, probably not really. Um, and then I'm really kind of leaning towards Danny Hamlin, but just historically speaking, he doesn't win championships when it comes down to it. Like, for whatever reason, as Chris always says, um, and he said a lot on last year's shows, um, Denny Hamlin finds ways to lose the championship when he should win it. Uh, so I don't feel comfortable going there. Uh, so I'm actually kind of kind of maybe go out on a limb here, and I'm actually running with Kyle Larson right now uh, just on a consistency basis 
as the season has progressed, he has gotten a lot better. He feels more comfortable, I think, in his car and the situation he's got now. I think a lot of the crap that was coming into him around, like around him at the start of the year has been put behind him. He's got a race win. He's doing really well. Um, I think that he can get multiple wins and finish probably pretty high entering the chase. So I know, I mean, it's early and it is really hard to say. It's hard to probably say Logano, like Amos said, but I guess uh, I'd have to go with Kyle Larson right now. But if you would ask me at the start of the year, I really wouldn't have thought Kyle Larson. So, yeah, uh, that's going to be my pick right now. Hmm. So, well, that's real interesting too because so Amos took Joey Logano off the table for me. Not that I couldn't pick him, and then you took Kyle Larson off the table for me. Ah, so you want to go with someone different, huh? Well, no, I was actually leaning strongly to one of those two guys. I really was, and. The reasoning that you both put out there for either one of them, I think, is solid. Mm. So, you know, I mean, I could take a flyer here and say Martin Truex Jr. has got a better than average chance. It's on the table. Yeah, I can't go with Hamlin for all the reasons that you said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, uh, look, okay, back off. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, I could see Martin Truex being a repeat champion all right so that's where you're, that's where you're yeah, going then? that's the way i'm gonna go all right so but just because you're kind of being different or no i think he's good i don't feel like you said that with a lot of confidence well here's the thing he raced well saturday or sunday morning in the trucks it's monday morning in the trucks excuse me raced well in the trucks something that he has not driven historically raced well in the cup race on on uh, sun, monday excuse me had a win. He's got a win so far this season. He's been running top tens pretty yeah. much all season, yeah. unless he gets wrecked out okay. by Logano. Um, oh, what? Not by Logano. What? <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I feel pretty confident about Martin Trex. Yes, actually, I do. I'm going to pick him as my outside chance winner. All right, guys. Uh, I just want to update you on some of our preseason predictions real quick, just kind of refresh your minds. Uh, some funny ones, I guess. And some actual good ones that I think we've picked so far. Okay, so uh, team of the year, uh, Chris, you had Stuart Haas. You're you're not looking very good. They need to turn around for you. Boy, I'll tell you what. Um, most wins by a team. I went with Stuart Haas. Uh, that's, nah, that's not looking good for you. That's either. not looking very good right now. Um, let's see. An- another funny one uh, right now is car of the year. This is interesting. Uh, me and Chris went with Blaney. Amos went with Elliot. I wouldn't necessarily say either of those two are hitting car of the year right now, right? Mm, probably not. Uh, driver of the year. This was a good shout for Amos, I think. Uh, Kyle Larson. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think you're doing uh, pretty. I went with Kyle Bush. I- I'm not sure that was very good. Um, and then the last thing I want to update you guys. Well, two more things. Uh, we all said most wins will go to Kevin Harvick, so he's got to get on the horse. And Boy, no kidding. our surprises of the year. <laughs> He's got to start whipping that thing like it's going to the Derby. Surprises of the year. Amos, you went with Hamlin misses the chase. Uh, how confident are you feeling with that? <laughs> well, obviously, six top fives in the first seven races doesn't make you feel all giddy about that. Sure. <laughs> choice. I, I'll stick by it. Sure, why not? Okay, um, okay. It might not happen, but I just feel like... We'll see. <laughs> you can fall out and have six 20-place finishes just as easy mm. as you can. 
yeah, probably easier than you can top 10 finishes. So I just feel like with drivers like Hamlin, Harvick, I mean, sure, maybe even Logano, them more experienced guys, they're going to start out the season strong, race well. We hit the mid-stretch. They're going to taper a little bit and not necessarily be racing or at the performance they were at the start of the season. You know, maybe it's age, experience, whatever, but it maybe the longer season takes the toll and my prediction still comes true. All right. Well, don't feel don't feel too bad about your pick there, Amos, because I did. I my surprise of the year was Kurt Busch makes the final four. So <laughs> I'm not sure if that one's going to happen either. But I, I still got faith, just like you were saying. Uh, all right. <laughs> so that's just some funny predictions. Uh, just just to kind of recap real quick, guys, our Easter break predictions for season-ending champions. Joey Logano for Amos, uh, Martin Truex Jr. for Chris, and Kyle Larson for me. And uh, I think that's a pretty interesting list we've got there. So, uh, all right, guys, let's talk about this final thing before we get out of here. Uh, we're making good time on the show. Uh, there's some talks about having a street race for NASCAR. Uh, obviously, we see this in some other uh, promotions. F1 does street race. Maybe the most famous race in the world, Monaco, right? Uh, that one's pretty crazy. Um, I know that they do some indie car racing, right, on streets. Yes, so Long Beach comes to mind. Long Beach is one of the more popular ones. Um, if NASCAR did a street race, guys, uh, supposedly it'd be in Chicago, uh, is what they're getting at, uh, which I think is strange because they have a super speedway right up the, right up, you know, by Chicago. I guess it's like forty minutes away or something, but uh, it's not getting great attendance. So they're trying to figure out ways to make a NASCAR race a little more popular in Chicago. And one of the options on the table that's starting to gain traction is a street race through Chicago. Um, obviously, uh, you guys might have heard that the iRacing series is introducing a street race in Chicago to their schedule. And it's really, you know, it's not the same because it is a video game and, you know, but people do watch the iRacing uh, so it's kind of sparked some conversation once again uh, about having a street race in NASCAR. Um, so I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in Chicago. I guess there's a lot of other places we could go with this. Um, but first off, you know, what's your thoughts on having a street race in NASCAR? Uh, Chris, let's, let's start with you here. You're very traditional, right? Been around the sport a long time. Uh, what do you think about a street race? Well. Well, okay, well. Interestingly enough, the Watkins Glen race originated as a street race through the streets of Watkins Glen. Okay. So, yeah, I could see it happen, and I don't think Chicago's the answer. I mean, the bottom line is, is they're trying to get a big... I, look, NASCAR keeps trying to go to these huge metropolitan areas trying to draw in a fan base. They, they did it for years with their season-ending banquet in new york oh yeah okay yeah and it didn't get them a lot of love from the town you know sure and i think they got the same problem with chicago you know they're trying to appeal to a fan base that i just don't think exists in the chicago area now having said that there's a lot of short track racing that goes on in that upper midwest area right like in michigan and wisconsin and yeah right, and okay. minnesota yeah the whole bit but i just don't think that the fan base is in chicago i think it's in the outliers you know, of Illinois, Minnesota, Indiana. Yeah, go ahead and have a street race. But I think you're just pumping a dry well trying to make something happen in Chicago. All right. Uh, Amos, does a street race spark your interest here? Um, like I said, you know, very popular race. 
on straight comes to mind is Monaco. Um, and NASCAR, you know, might not necessarily be that popular uh, on a street, but but uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to look up the layout that they would be using for the iRacing in Chicago to see if it's similar to the layout, the GP street race circuit in Chicago. Um, I think it'd be cool. I I don't. I agree with Chris. They're probably honing in on Chicago, trying to bring in the greater area of the region to come to Chicago and watch race. I don't. I don't know if if I'm in Minnesota, I'm not running to Chicago to watch a race <laughs> by any means. Um, I'm sure there are some areas they could pick more wisely for a street race in a city. But I think it's a great idea. I mean, if you're going to have street races or road course racing and you're going to do a dirt race at Bristol, why not? That would be kind of cool to hear the – could you imagine how loud that would be motoring Uh, down through the street? Michigan Avenue or something? I mean, that's not part of the racetrack. One thing about it, it mean that would sound of (laughs) (laughs) Radio edit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it would be pretty cool. I that might be a race I'd be interested in checking out, just for them reasons like the no, the sound, the racing atmosphere, like the smell, yeah. the burnt the rubber flakes and stuff like that. It'd be it'd be pretty cool, I think. Be interesting. Okay. Um. So I know you both kind of mentioned this a little bit, but having it in Chicago wouldn't necessarily be where you guys would go with on this one. You don't think? I think there's a lot of larger metropolitan areas that would probably have a greater reception to the street race than Chicago. Well, what about going with a like a track or a street race? So you mentioned the Long Beach one, right? Yeah. And that's in California, right? Right. So would it make more sense just to have like a street race set up that they already race on an F1? Or not, not an F1, on the IndyCar circuit, like uh, Long Beach, for say? No, because the course isn't wide enough for okay. for stock cars. I mean, the issue with stock cars in a street race is is you're going to need a wide track. Because yeah, otherwise yeah, they're okay. just going to fall into single file and play follow the leader for you know however many laps they decide to <laughs> you know torture us with this. Because <laughs> it, it ain't going to be like i racing where you can just wing your way off of a wall and and pass some guy like uh, Carl Edwards yeah. tried to do at Kansas one year. You know, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, uh, and that's why I say I think there's metropolitan areas where they could do better. What What was the road course race that the Xfinity cars used to run on up in Montreal? Do you remember that one, Amos? Oh, the Canadian Tire is that what's called? Uh, no, it, no, I, you're thinking. You're, I don't remember the track, but I do remember them running in Canada. Did that incorporate street? Yeah, it oh. was on an island up there in well, the St. Lawrence river or something like that and this is a good question i've never actually understood why we don't have some races up in canada you know it's just uh, right across the border well i think right now it's got more to do with covid than anything else. well okay sure sure but just uh you even know historically getting er- speaking getting everything yeah. across the borders i can't figure out how grand prix people are pulling it off i don't know either i mean they're all over the place yeah right? like yeah they, they were right. in they were in bahrain bahrain over the yeah it's crazy so yeah um Amos, I think I'm with you on this one, though. I mean, I don't know if I'm as warm and fuzzy to it as Amos, but I agree with what you're saying here. It's uh, We're trying all these new things, right? And we're incorporating a bunch of uh, uh, road course races, and we're trying to go on dirt and all this stuff. So 
why not try it and see what happens? I mean, if it, worst it is, it's a failure and we don't ever do it again, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, they're yeah. not out anything. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you would gauge your attendance because I mean, I guess you could <laughs> yeah. just be kicking it in the building, watching the race or something. So I don't know Might how be you, cool. well, you gauge the attendance there, but yeah, try it. If it doesn't work, don't go back. I mean, you know. 40 years ago, I went to the IndyCar race down in Long Beach. I come back to the same thing I say about road courses in general and street road courses in particular. If you're going there to watch a race, don't go because you're not going <laughs> to see a lot of the race. Okay. You know? And in Long Beach, I mean, they were racing out by the harbor, out by the Queen Mary and that, so it was a little more open. But, man, when they would get into the downtown area – of that race, oh, it was miserable. I mean, yeah. that sound reverberating off those buildings was just—it was right. hard on your hearing, that, you know. It might be cool though. Oh, it's cool. It'd be really cool. It's yeah. cool. And back then they were racing the the old Offenhausers and the Cosworth V8s, and those things just screamed, uh-huh. you know. And yeah, I—I I don't know. I mean, let's go ahead and try it. We've tried everything else except the jump in the middle of the backstretch at Talladega, so let's try this. Um, all right, so what do you, Amos, let's, let's finish up on this here. Uh, what do you think the, you know, percentage-wise is that we do see a street race next year, let's say, in NASCAR? Less than 25%. Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of deal-making. Obviously, a road course is going to incorporate, I mean, you're shutting down a part of a city. Yeah. So and probably who bears <laughs> who bears that cost? Mm-hmm. You know, does NASCAR try and punt that onto the municipality? So I think there are a lot of moving parts that have to make this work, and I don't know if Chicago's necessarily going to be real keen on that. So mm-hmm. at this point, if that's where they want to go, I'd say it's probably lukewarm, less than twenty five percent. All right, cool. Uh, all right, guys, so that's where we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, obviously, no preview of the upcoming Martinsville race, but that's where we will be uh, the week after next, right? So uh, Easter break this week for the drivers, and then we'll be back. And uh, the hairpin, right, they call it the hairpin, um, is alive. I mean, talk about a track where you push paper people clip. out of the way. Oh, paper clips, sorry. Paper clip. <laughs> the paper clip. Uh, yeah, talk paper about clip. talk about a track where you push people out of the way. When you were saying hairpin, I'm trying to... Yeah, let's, the hell is he talking? <laughs> it's a tight turn, though. Um, all right, so any uh, final thoughts as we enter the Easter break here, guys? Anything you want to say um, leading out? Uh, I, just, I just think this break might be a really good thing to come at this point in the season yeah for some team Stuart haas in particular <laughs> that's true well no i'm serious no about yeah, I, I, I agree i think it gives everybody a chance to take you know two weeks off and they're not going to take two weeks off but the heck the hectic part of the schedule is going to ease up a little bit for them yeah they can go back into the shop they can go into meetings they can start evaluating their programs okay this is what we need to change this is what we're doing right you know, and and not just Stuart Haas, but all the teams in general, and and I think it gives them an opportunity to take five, take a deep breath, and you know, come out prepared to run the the summer season basically. Yeah. And it's good too because we had we had just come off a Monday race, and Daytona was kind of hectic just all together with both of those races. So 
you're like through this first crazy slog of the season. Now you're going to get into the middle part and you got to settle in. So uh, Amos, any final thoughts for you there? No, I agree with Chris. I think it's going to be a very welcome break to most NASCAR shops, drivers. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a NASCAR driver, I'm sitting on a beach right now anyway. I mean, I'm not working till next week. So <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. all the guys that are in the shop are probably still working, but um, especially fixing them dirt track cars. So That was fun. No, they're not fixing them. Um, well, you got to. You got a car. You got to have a car for next year. Yeah, I know, but um, that car's trashed, man. <laughs> so, Did you see Amarola's car? It was bad. <laughs> but I think it's a good break. I'm sure it's something they've looked forward to on the schedule thus far. And um, like I said, there's long summer stretch, so be a good break for them. All right, guys, that's all we got. Uh, be back. We'll be back next week, so go ahead and tune in. We will have a show, even though there wasn't a race. Uh, we will preview Martinsville. Uh, it'll probably be a short show. I mean, I said that about this show, and, and we're hitting the normal time. So next week will probably be a shorter show, though, because we might not have a ton to talk about unless something crazy breaks. So, uh, all right, well, guys. Yeah. you put Amos and me behind a microphone. We can fill an hour and a half just like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll have UFC coming up later, guys. We'll have uh, some USM&T talk later as well. So uh, be looking out for that on the channel. Uh, but, yeah, hope you enjoyed the NASCAR. Come back next week. Uh, have a good rest of your day. And we're not going to do any more collegiate basketball programs this year because oh. our, our picks went so splendidly. Oh, oh, well, that's what he thinks. No, we will we'll have a college basketball wrap-up, so we'll be ready for that. Uh, have a good rest of your day, guys. Uh, peace out. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Electric Sports Talk. Join us in future episodes as we discuss all things U.S. soccer, collegiate sports, mixed martial arts, motorsports, the NFL, MLB, and the Olympics. If you enjoy our content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or shoot us an email to electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening.